0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we are back with another Instant Reaction podcast this week. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Urrutia. Gabby, this is a big one. I have a question for you to start things off. How do you like your pancakes?
1: Oof. I, I, I like them six foot five, three twenty, man.
0: With a side of gator meat?
1: With a side of gator meat. Oof. A, a, yeah. a little maple syrup.
0: Wash it heard, down I, I, with I, I, some I, gator I, tears.
1: I, I heard it tastes like I heard gator tastes like chicken. So uh I, I haven't had it myself, but I'm willing to try it now.
0: So Mario Cristobal again beats out. Billy Napier and his 928,000 analysts on the recruiting trail for a significant recruit. Samson Okunlola commits to Miami, 6'5", 305, five-star prospect out of Thayer Academy in Brockton, Massachusetts. Number 14, according to 24-7 Sports, number 20 player according to the industry average composite ranking uh Gabby well, I guess after this commitment Miami's what up to number three I think in the rankings which is insane uh Gabby how big is this commitment what type of player is Miami getting in Lola? No,
1: yeah, I mean it's just an absolutely massive commitment um and again I know this is something we've kind of harped on David but like this is coming off of a five and seven season, Miami up to number three in the in the recruiting rankings. I mean, obviously Akin Lola, him choosing Miami in and of itself is just a massive deal. I mean, he's a five-star offensive tackle, number three offensive tackle in the country, gives Miami two of the top three offensive tackle commits, you know, according to the 24-7 sports rankings. I think the only other programs that have done that are Georgia, Alabama, Stanford, and obviously two of those teams are regular national title contenders so when you're thinking about building up your offensive line especially a unit that kind of struggled with depth i think struggled with maybe even some top end talent Francis Malagoa, Samson and Lola are just absolutely massive additions this is the way that you build the foundation of an elite offensive line class of the future of the offensive line obviously you need to stack classes but I mean, just what it means for these guys to do this also coming off of a year that they miss bowl eligibility. I think you have to be extremely encouraged about the way that they're going to be able to recruit not only the offensive line, but every position once, uh, you know, presumably things get better on the field. So, uh, I, I mean, this is just I, I don't think it can be stated how big of a win this is. I mean, Samson, Lola, just scroll through his Twitter account, watch some of the videos, the clips he posts of just the like freaky athletic things he does. He's not just like a, a big tackle that projects, you know, super well. He's a guy that has, I think, well, what I believe to be pretty elite athletic traits that translate to him being a high level tackle. And, uh, you know, eventually potentially like truly with like NFL, you know, first round NFL uh, potential. So, I mean, this is an extremely exciting addition for Miami up front, and, Again, this is just the way that you build this thing up in the trenches. It's something that coach Cristobal has hammered since he's gotten here. And, uh, you know, he's kind of putting his money where his mouth is uh, with, you know, by going out and landing two of the absolute best in the country.
0: Yeah. you mentioned the the Twitter videos. Let's, let's go into that. Um, Cause you know, Samson is a jumbo athlete. Um, he, he brings athleticism and length to the table. You mentioned, you know, For, for listeners, I guess that aren't on Twitter, uh, the ones that are, and haven't seen it go find his Twitter page. I believe he has, he has a video pinned to the top of his, uh, posts. Um, and basically, you know, it shows why he's such an intriguing athlete at offensive line, specifically at offensive tackle. Um, you know, in this clip, he's essentially on the ground on his knees He then pops up, uh, onto his feet. So jumps up, lands on his feet into a pass set position and immediately kick slides. So, uh, you know, he's in that clip, he shows explosiveness, balance, body control, and he did this at 295 pounds. Also, you know, highlighting his athleticism, he's a good wrestler, um, he came in ninth place in nationals at the 285 pound weight class as a junior. So he's a big body that has special movement skills to develop. Um, and you mentioned, you know, pairing him with Francis Maui Goa. That's definitely an exciting thing to think about. And I think they're kind of like minded from the standpoint of. Uh, they both have that aggressive mentality that you want on the offensive line. Both guys are willing run blockers. Both guys played on defense at some point in their high school careers. And I think that's a good sign in terms of establishing uh, physicality. Uh, Offensive line, you know, doesn't get much fanfare. Uh, But in college football, I think, you know, a good offensive line, is as much of a weapon as a five-star quarterback, a five-star running back, a five-star wide receiver. Um, You know, Georgia and Michigan are the finalists for the Joe Moore Award this year, which is a national award, recognizes the best offensive line in the country. Georgia's averaging 392, or sorry, 39.2 points per game, 491 yards per game, Michigan 40 points per game, 453 yards per game. Mario Cristobal left behind a very talented offensive line position group, and they averaged 39.7 points per game at Oregon, 507 yards per game at Oregon. Uh, you can, you know, we saw the impact a good offensive line can have on a game. At the end of the year when, when Michigan took down Ohio State, Michigan didn't have their best offensive player available and running back Blake Corb, who was, you know, limited, uh, played two snaps and didn't play the rest of the game. But it didn't matter in that game because Michigan's offensive line dominated and they uh, they opened up some, some holes for some big runs and, and the Wolverines ran for 252 yards. When Oregon beat Ohio State last year, when Mario Cristobal was the coach there, The Ducks ran for 269 yards and three touchdowns. So all this is to say, this is what it takes to run the type of offense Mario Cristobal wants to run. He wants to run the Georgia style of offense. He wants to run the Michigan style of offense, which preaches balance, physicality, and explosiveness in the pass and run game. Um, And quite frankly, I don't think you can realistically compete for championships without pretty good offensive line play. Um so I'm excited. Let's talk about uh Gabby, you know, uh this offensive line class as a whole. We've touched on Maui Goa, Okum Lola, those are two big talented guys to start building an offensive line class. Um but I th- I like the other guys they have committed there too, uh, you know, particularly the size that Frankie Tinalau and Tommy Kinsler will bring. You know, projecting them as interior offensive linemen that will compete for starting jobs down the road.
1: Yeah, no, I think that this offensive line class is, is pretty It's pretty exciting. Uh, they There's a lot of potential upside guys, maybe some more developmental. Frankie Tinelau is a guy that I think, you know, it sounds to me like people in Coral Gables are very high on. And I think the more that they've been able to watch him, the more kind of eager they are to get their hands on him and kind of mold him into the, the type of guy they think that he could potentially be down the line. Um, he is a kind of raw prospect kind of never really didn't really play a ton of organized football over the course of his career. Um, kind of, you know, especially with the COVID and all that stuff, he was kind of playing in California, had to go back to Australia, played a senior year here at Miami, uh, Immaculata LaSalle, which is not far from the university of Miami's campus. And I I think that the feeling is that the kind of, the more he's kind of gotten into like the later he got into a season, the better he performed. So I know that he is one that they're super excited about Tommy Kinsler. I think when the fire's lit, uh, you know, I think I think he can be really good too. I think I think someone that they're gonna have to kind of, they're gonna have to kind of move along, kind of find a way to kind of keep him or like make him like maybe more of a self starter, a guy that they can kind of get to that point where he can mentally just get himself to go every single time. Um, I think that I think he's going to be someone that they're obviously excited about from a size standpoint. I mean, I don't have his, I think right. he's close to six six, three hundred 300 pounds. I mean, right. I think if we're projecting two, three years down the line. Tommy Kins is going to be a, a piece that I think they're going to be very excited about. Uh, again, not someone you expect to walk into anything like that. So but Tommy are obviously a, a huge spot. And then Antonio trip. I mean, you, you need interior linemen guys that can kind of man the middle. He made the move to IMG Academy and um he made the move to IMG Academy and, and, you know, he competed, he got there two weeks before the season started and and started that first game of his, of, of that year against, against Venice. That's not something a lot of people can kind of do just kind of walk into a situation like that at a national program and, and earn some starter reps. So Antonio Tripp is someone that I think they're excited about as well. You know, again, kind of down the line.
0: Let's project because I I think you and I both feel that, uh, Samson Okunlola and Francis Maui Goa uh, have the ability to start day one as true freshmen. We don't say that lightly on the line of scrimmage positions. Uh, but if you just look at Miami's depth chart, recently John Campbell entered the portal. Um, you know, they're going to lose some older guys to pursue NFL careers like DJ Scaife. Um, so there are some openings. And I think their talent level allows them a chance to compete. And I believe both of them are planning to enroll early. Correct, Gabby?
1: Yeah, I think Miami is going to get both these guys in January, which again, I mean, I think in in this new kind of wave of college football, where it's almost like if you're not enrolling early, you're almost left behind, you know, not left behind, but I mean, you're at a a disadvantage in terms of competing. So them getting to Miami in mid-January by the time September rolls around and it's time to start the season. I mean, these guys have been in college essentially eight full months. So, uh, you know, especially on the offensive line like that, uh, I think that that is, you know, you need to get there in January if you want to kind of contribute early. And so that's why I'm pretty encouraged about the fact that uh, Francis and uh, potentially Samson, could could get on the field and see some playing time.
0: So let's just off the top of our heads, go left to right how and i think there's a lot of different combinations you could play with if if we're projecting a starting offensive line for 2023 um i'm curious where you just where you what what would intrigue you most uh left to right
1: yeah a, a couple different combinations here kind of make sense i mean david i think we're i think we both expect zion nelson to be back in in 2020 in 2023 i think that's some intel that we kind of got this morning in terms of just what the expectation is around the program so i think it's fair to you know assume that zion nelson uh kind of slides back into that left tackle spot uh should i you want me to just go along the offensive line yeah
0: yeah Yeah. go left to right
1: yeah uh, i i think i think it becomes kind of interesting in the middle david and i know you've come up with a combination i'm not going to steal yours but you know I think that left guard spot is going to be very interesting to see if you know if it's going to be Jalen Rivers if he comes back healthy or if like a guy like Francis Mawagoa can kind of come in and and hold down that spot. Maybe even a Samson Akin Lola, one of those guys can lock down a left guard spot. I'm not exactly sure which way to go there. Um uh, maybe we can go with one of the freshmen uh, and then center again. I, I think is another one. Jakai Clark, the incumbent, the guy that's coming back. I'm not sure that it's a guarantee. That he's gonna be the center. Uh maybe Miami goes transfer portal there as they try to find someone. I think that they were gonna to try to maybe bring Connor Lou along uh and see if he can kind of make it happen as a true freshman, but he flipped to Auburn. Uh center, I, I mean I'll let you kind of handle that one, but I think Inez Cooper could be maybe someone that could slide in there. Um I, I don't know if one of these freshmen could play there as a as a as a youngster, uh, but I'm kind of curious to see how that plays out. Right guard. Um you know, Inez Cooper is a guy that did a really good job there too. Is Could he be the right guard? Is I mean, as a guy that's kind of been around the program for a while that it seems like they're high on, again, I could see one of these freshmen there too. And then right tackle, man. I mean, I guess someone not really with the program, but someone I think we were hoping to bring in. Uh, maybe let's see if JV Cohen can come in, be Miami's right tackle.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of combinations to think about. Uh, and that's a good thing. And so for me... I would go left, Zion, left guard, Francis, center. I think you go Jalen Rivers. I think they they were working him a little. I mean, they, they kind of work a lot of guys at, at, at different positions, but I think they were working Jalen quite a bit at center like as an emergency role. Um, I would make that move and make him the full-time center, I think. Uh, Sampson. I would put it right guard and then right tackle. I would put JV and Cohen, assuming Miami can seal the deal there with Alabama. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've done a little more digging on Javian, and and I do feel like, I guess he has kind of more of a tackle body. And so I, I feel like I want my tackles to be more veteran guys. So I would go Zion JV on there and let, Francis and Samson cut their teeth on the inside as true freshmen. Um, And then uh, once Zion and Javion are done with their college careers, you kick them outside to tackle. Uh, But also, too, and you kind of touched on this, I think it matters as well beyond the starting five. You got to have eight that you feel good about. You mentioned Inez Cooper. I think there's something there with Matthew McCoy to really develop. Uh, I think he's honestly still like, even with Samson and Francis in the mix, I think he's going to be one of the top athletes, um, at the offensive line. There's probably still technique stuff to work on and, and strength building that needs to happen there, but I'm intrigued by his upside. And then, you know, you have Jonathan Dennis, who's coming back from a leg injury, Chikai Clark, if he wants to stick around. I feel better about, of course, this projected top five and the eight that, you know, because we saw how when the injury bug hits the offensive line, everything breaks down around it uh, with an attack. So, you know, we'll see. um, We'll see with, with how Miami does with closing out Cohen. I also wouldn't rule out maybe Miami goes out and gets a quality center in the transfer portal if They feel like one is available. Um, But yeah, bottom line, I mean, look, I know offensive line play isn't the most exciting thing to talk about uh, in football. It's not flashy. But, uh, you know, again, the best offensive lines have a really good chance of competing in the college football playoff. Probably the best offensive line I've covered at Miami, Gabby, is that 2013 offensive line which featured from left to right, Eric Flowers, who has started 101 games in the NFL, was a first-round pick. Left guard, John Feliciano, he has started 50 games in the NFL, was a fourth-round pick. Shane McDermott was the center, very good college center. He went undrafted. He played in two games in the NFL. Uh, Right guard was Brandon Linder, Linder, 88 starts in the NFL was a third round pick. And then the right tackle was Chantrell Henderson. Uh, seventh round pick, 29 starts at the NFL level. So that o- that offensive line, the coordinator was James Coley. The offensive line coach was Art Kehoe. That offense averaged 33.8 yards per game. He had Stephen Morris, at quarterback. Duke Johnson, Dallas Crawford scored 12 rushing touchdowns that year. Gus Edwards was the third running back. Alan Hurds and Stacey Coley were at wide receivers. So, you know, um, solid skill talent. I mean, Duke Duke is special. Um, but outside of that, solid skill talent yeah. that I think, you know, the offensive line allowed to flourish. Um, you go back, you know, Miami's 2001 team. Uh, I think one of the more overlooked parts of that 2001 team is the offensive line of course anchored by Bryant McKinney but it was much more than just him uh you had Brett Romberg at center excellent college center uh Joaquin Gonzalez at right tackle excellent offensive tackle at the college level that offensive line in 2001 did not allow a sack until the seventh game of the season uh in 2000 so the year before you know a team that might. Miami probably should have at least competed for a national championship that year. Uh, that offensive line allowed only three sacks all season. Um, and so from 2000 to 2004, Miami featured six offensive linemen that were drafted. Um, and, and Miami needs to get back to that. The la- I'm curious if you can pull this one out. Do you know who the last offensive lineman to get drafted from Miami is? the
1: last offensive lineman to be drafted from Miami. I don't want to just take up too much dead air. Um, Dang. I don't know. Who was it? Was it someone from that, from that team?
0: Danny Isadora Danny's 2017. So, but that's now what? He
1: was also kind of like a late round pick too, right? He wasn't like he was a fifth round
0: pick, but still, I mean, look, I think if you're, if you're getting offensive linemen drafted,
1: yeah, for sure.
0: That's that's a really good sign. And yeah, Miami and he's hasn't been in had the league one. for a little bit too. Yeah. Miami hasn't had one drafted now. You know, it's gonna be what six years in a row. Um, so they gotta get back to that. That's what Mario Cristobal is going to be all about. This is a big deal. Um you go get Samson, you go get Francis Maui Goa. You are now establish establishing yourself as a destination program for elite offensive linemen. And it's easier to recruit once that happens. So, and again, it's going to make the rest of the offense operate at a much more consistent level down in and down out. So this is a day to celebrate, uh, Mario. This is why Mario Cristobal was brought here. Uh, talent acquisition improve the talent and he is doing that he is um, fulfilling his end of the bargain in that phase so uh excellent day we'll see how Miami closes out this class still have a handful of guys left on the board that they're trying to to close here in the final weekend before the early signing period appreciate everyone for listening again i would i would highlight this 50% off deal we have going on annual subscription you get uh, Paramount Plus for free. So that's about 54 bucks. You get a year's pass 24 7 inside the U and Paramount Plus rolled into that. Appreciate everyone listening. Until ne- next time, take care. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. Drag